Welcome to that Tree Lady podcast, episode 5, Your Tree Type and 40s. Let's talk about maturity. Whenever I hear the word mature, I think of one of my mentors. Her name is Della Walker, and she is all about maturity. She challenges every area in which I have not yet grown, according to her and myself. And she challenges that in all the people around her. She pulls us up in order to grow us up. And that pulling up towards maturity is what we will be unpacking today. Because the pulling up is out of our own particular immaturity. My immaturity is not the same brand as yours. I have different things to overcome. I have different triggers. I have different childish habits to put behind me. And so, as always, on the Tree Lady podcast, we will be talking about tree types as we talk about how we differ. Now, I had a little look at what is said in the Bible about maturity, and one of the first things I noticed is that maturity in us, and that us would be believers in this context, um, believers in Jesus Christ, our Maturity is incredibly important as part of how God shows up in the world. Jesus said this in John 15, around verse 8, when he said, This is how my Father shows who he is, when you produce grapes, when you mature as disciples. So we already see this connection between maturity and being fruitful. That's super important and part of what we'll discuss today. But we also see that maturity is essential if you and I are going to project our made in the image of God selves into the world. Now that's a hyphenated word, made in the image of God selves is one word in my book. And that's the part that I am passionate about helping people discover as I am convinced that we have this beautiful blueprint, this beautiful, brilliant design that can look horrible if it's left as an immature design, and that can be absolutely beautiful, God-honoring, life-giving, and a blessing to people around us when it matures. But it is an intentional process, isn't it? It is something you and I need to agree to cooperate with. Whenever I talk trees, it's really important for me not to give people permission to think about just their own personality and just the way they want to mature. So I want you to just expand your mind for a little bit. Make sure you're listening, not just for yourself, about yourself, but oh, even worse, um, for other people about them so that we can preach at them and, and pull them up to maturity. No, this is a an agreement that we will change the only person we really can, which is ourselves, for the sake of others. But as you listen to the maturity path and the maturity challenges of different personality types from, from yours, I want to encourage you to listen with compassion and to listen with an understanding that it is as hard for them to overcome the core of who they are as it is for you. In John 17, this whole idea of our differences being overcome as we become mature so that we can walk in greater unity is emphasized throughout this prayer in John 17. And um, here's a place where Jesus says, The same glory you gave me, I gave them, 
I'm going to pause there for a moment. Do you know that you have been given the same glory that's been given to Jesus Christ? That just blows my mind. Then he goes on and says, so they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness. And give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Wow. So when we are mature and we are one, meaning we can put all our petty differences behind us and set them aside so that we can cooperate and be glorious in this world together in unity and one mind, then we actually prove that we are loved. What a profound idea. That the fact that we are loved and able to love comes in all its colors to the forefront once we finally figure out how to grow up. Now, this idea of growing up is attached to probably the most challenging scripture passage, for me at least, in the Bible. And that's that whole idea in Matthew 5 of turning the other cheek, walking the extra mile, letting people sue off the second layer of your clothing when you've already given them the first and they didn't deserve it. It's just that thing that goes against our flesh so much because it seems so unfair and it seems weak. Let's just own up to that, that for my personality, that seems weak. To let people abuse you, walk over you. But here's this beautiful conclusion in verse 48. In the message translation, it says, In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out of your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others, the way God lives toward you. So here God is saying, I, I am that one who gives what you don't deserve. I am that one who turns the other cheek. I mean, if we got what we deserved from God, we would be annihilated several times a day, <laughs> every day of our lives, right? So he is saying this is what kingdom looks like. Kingdom is a place where your generosity and your grace doesn't stem from what the other person deserves, but from who you are. And that's what I want you to grow into, is this God-created identity. This generosity that is actually in your soul, if you will just work with me in growing up and maturing. Now the areas in our lives where we work against this generosity, where we hold back something of what we are supposed to give to the world, follows these temperament lines. And I'm going to pick on the roses first because I've already talked about us. We are the ones who's, who would say, an extra mile. <laughs> you must be kidding me. I didn't even do the first mile with you. There's no way you are going to push me over. I am not that gullible. But there is in a rose bush such an incredible wealth of power and authority and influence and pioneering spirit and grit that the world needs. And when we mature as roses and overcome a couple of things I'm going to mention now, we are able to pour this generously into others and into the world. Now, the first barrier for us to growing up and maturing in this way is our, I want to say, our disability to really be attentive listeners. Attentive listening means I need to stop whatever I'm busy with. And as roses, we are always on the move. So just that stopping takes the humility that says maybe there is something going on now or something being said 
that I actually need to hear and that I could potentially learn from. So that's that humility factor, which isn't super high on a natural DNA uh, sequence of the rose. Let's just put it that way. The second thing that's hard is to be diplomatic with people who frustrate us. And we forget that they are the helpers of tomorrow, but often also the teachers of tomorrow. I remember climbing Kilimanjaro with a lady who was so slow that she wanted to make me cry. I've never been more frustrated. But came the actual climb, she summited hours before me. And in the days after, I learned so much from her because suddenly because she proved me weak compared to her, even though I was 30 years younger than she was, opened up a pathway of respect and I was able to learn from her the way a child learns from an adult. Humiliating, helpful and super important, especially for maturity. Not everyone can be as focused, as quick and as tough as we are when we are rose bushes and they are not supposed to be like us. They are not equally determined to win. This makes them different, not wrong. A super important thing to realize if we are going to grow up in teamwork, in family and in relationship is that we need to be willing to adapt to the pace of those people around us and even to a productivity level that is a little bit more sporadic and not as constant. Maturity means in a way to hold back some of your awesomeness when it is not required in that particular situation that you are in for the sake of unity out of respect for others to verbalize our plans instead of just expecting blind submission you know as a rose that one of your challenges in relationship with other people is that you make decisions without consulting and then you just announce them and then you expect everybody to just take your word for it believe that it'll be good for them and become minions in the execution of your will And maybe I'm projecting a little bit. Maybe that's just what people tell me about me. But try that on. And if that shoe fits, then wear it a little bit and make sure you feel the blisters because it's not going to work in the long run to work that way with people. Because on our maturity, maturity challenge list is another aspect and that's acknowledging those who support our success. And what we don't understand as we're running out front Rosebush style, with everybody serving our pur- purpose coming behind us in a cloud of dust, is that we really cannot do it without them. But so much of what they do that makes our life possible is happening in the shadows, and so we miss it. Every now and again, we ought to pause and say, Hey, I may be missing quite a few things you are adding to my life. What are you aware of? that you do, that you think I don't even notice, because I do want to notice it, so please enlighten me. And that can reveal a shockingly long list of things people do in service of your life, in support of your life. Sometimes they just quietly clean up behind you, sometimes they humbly go ahead of you, making peace between you and the people you constantly bulldoze over without you even knowing. 
I love the story of Abigail in the Bible who realizes that her very unwise husband is going to be annihilated by David and his army. And she goes and makes peace. And her husband would never have known whom he has his whom he owes his life to if if the story didn't come out. But such a beautiful service of cleaning up and mopping up blood of relationships that are stressed. A lot of that happens around you and you don't know about it. People go in after you have decisively won a battle and they go and bind up the wounds of the people that were on the receiving end of your sharp thorns. Once again, maybe I'm just predicting from what I've been told about some rosebush incidents I had and I hope don't have any more as frequently. Remember that meekness is not weakness, but strength under control. That is the probably number one maturity maturity challenge for a rose, is to pull back on strength that you could have used because you can discern that it is not the place or the time. Because that's really what meekness is. Meekness is not being pathetic. Meekness is being really, really strong, but knowing that you don't need to flex the muscles everywhere and at all times. Rose Bushes, have you had more or less enough of me preaching it? Adjust us, then I'm ready to move on to talk about the maturity challenge of the boxwood. Now, I have this idea, and I, I don't like the idea, but the more I talk with boxwoods who are trying to grow up, to move into this freedom, this generosity, this life where you can give freely to those who deserve and those who don't, major challenge, of course, I find that we may take longer than other tree types to mature. We may take longer to overcome some of the relational barriers we experience to unity. And it is because we are the ones most naturally gifted to discern, to find mistakes, to notice differences, to draw lines, to set boundaries. Now, none of those words I just mentioned are synonyms for unity. In fact, they often divide and bring separation. And so those natural talents need to be harnessed very intentionally in relational situations so that instead of separating us from others, we're able to unite with them. And even though this point is not officially on the fast forward or Kilimanjaro list of the tall trees model for boxwoods, I want to mention it first, and that is to overcome your love for justice with a love for grace. It took me very, very long to learn that justice doesn't actually heal or free anybody. You know those moments on TV when somebody is sentenced and everybody knows they deserve that sentence, maybe it's a life sentence for murder, and somebody shoves the microphone into a family member's face and say, so how do you feel about this? And they'll say, well, we finally have justice. Now we will sleep at night. And the truth is, no, they will not. Because that justice is not going to change the condition of their hearts. It not, it's not going to remove their pain. After a very short while of basking in 
in that revenge or that sense of justice being served, um, they will find that the old, old sadness returns and the old feelings are back, maybe even stronger because of the disillusionment that justice didn't do what they always hoped it would do. The most mature boxwoods I know are the ones who are able to put down that goal to always find a just and, and a fair and an absolutely equal outcome to their pursuits and who learned how to settle for having to walk the extra mile or losing two layers of clothing in the example I already shared. So that's a major maturity challenge. I think we kind of have a metaphor for how important that is in the Bible when we see Moses, the ultimate boxwood, never entering, entering the promised land. It's as though the fact that he was so strongly associated with the law just disqualified him. So that we will know that whatever constitutes the promised land, um, the place of, of that fruit that I spoke of earlier, the big big clusters of grapes, <laughs> the real wine, the, the true prosperity of the soul. Those things are not available to the ones who are stuck in absolute justice and who are constantly comparing, measuring, keeping score and building up evidence and cases against other people, putting being right over doing right. Whew. Breathe through that one. That's hard, isn't it? That is a major challenge. Well, with that out of, out of the way, there are more, but perhaps easier challenges to maturity for us boxwoods. Try this one on. The challenge to make a clear distinction between failures and personal worth. This might be the thing that takes 40 years. 40 years of understanding, I am not what I just produced. I am more than what I just produced. I am more than the score that is on my test. I am more than the feedback somebody just gave me verbally or in writing. And I am more than your face when you don't like what I'm saying. And I should be able to take all of this feedback, all of this criticism, whether it's good or bad, and put it not inside of my heart, but just inside of my mind. And some of these things may be even outside of my head altogether. When I do counseling with little boxwoods who are destroyed by the feedback they get from peers or, or parents who may not have the emotional intelligence to understand their impact on their kids, is to establish something like these booms you have when there's paid barking. I mean, you have to put your credit card in there or it doesn't open up for you and you can't drive in and park. And in a similar way, um, we should have a boom and a charge for parking feedback, ideas and criticism in our head coming from other people. And there is a place and a time for a mature boxwood to listen to and look at feedback coming our way and to say to whoever is sending it, and maybe we don't say it out loud, maybe we just say it in the back of our mind, saying, you can't afford the fee. You are not going to be able or allowed to park that inside my head. I have only so much headspace and so many parking spots for ideas about who I am and what my worth is that your idea 
about who I am and what my worth is, it's just not going to be allowed in. Go find parking elsewhere. Box widths in detail can probably be a whole section on its own. We have this wonderful gift to notice every possible outcome, every possible factor, variable, issue, pitfall, dots on the I's and crosses through the T's, and sometimes get lost in those and lose the big picture perspective. But along with all of this detail goes a really high standard, because the standard says all of these things that we just noticed, all of them need to be present, need to be perfect, and need to be complete. And for us, that is maturity. When we say somebody is mature, we often feel they have grown to a place where everything matters to them, where they are able to do better, where they have more control over the details, they're more aware of everything they should be aware of. And so we are trying to train that into the people around us if we are their delas, if we are their mentors trying to pull them up to a higher level of being. When in fact, discerning when the detail actually matters is a maturity challenge for the boxwood that needs to be overcome in order to really be grown up in a way that produces fruit and healthy relationships. Because nothing gets between us and other people that we are supposed to be in harmonious relationship with more than this obsession with certain pet issues and certain facts and certain opinions and certain standards that we are not willing to let go of. Think through your pet peeves for a moment if you are a boxwood. What are your pet peeves about cleaning? About road rules? About ways people should serve you in a restaurant? about shoes, about pets. I bet as I read these headings, you think of three, four, five points immediately without having to engage very much of your brain. We have pet peeves about every single thing. And every pet peeve is an opportunity to destroy a relationship or at least to hamper the unity. I challenged the rose bushes, as you will recall, to ask those around them how they are contributing to the rose bushes' life without the rose bushes noticing and giving any affirmation or thank yous for it. Here is your challenge as a boxwood. Ask the people around you when and how you elevate detail to such a high level that they want to give up and that they feel they can never be good enough and that they have this brain smoke of what did I forget this time that was on the list of rules I shouldn't break and bullet points I should remember. If we are boxwoods, even our children can complete the sentence. So when I get home, the first thing I'm going to check up on so that I know if you are in trouble is... <laughs> I know what that is. Or if you say, if you do the dishes, I'm going to be mad if you didn't. 
and then they will give you the list. They'll give you the list of details. They will they they know your pet peeves. They live with it. Hopefully not under it like a low-lying black cloud. Hopefully just with it. That's our maturity challenge. What about the pine trees? Um, you know, a lot of people say pine trees look more like Jesus before conversion than most trees after. And maybe you have heard this before. I, I do believe that that is true to some extent. If you think the only thing you're not supposed to do is make trouble and have conflict, because yes, they do not make trouble and they try not to have conflict, but they still have areas in which they need to mature. And most of that is in this area of their lower energy or lower drive. And so for a mature pine tree to achieve that beautiful reflection of God into the world, they need to overcome gravity. They need to overcome those things that would just keep them on the couch or keep them outside of the action or keep them in the comfort zone, which, by the way, someone once said is where animals go to die. Um, something to think about. When pine trees can act every time they have a contribution to make, they make an unbelievable impact in the world. But they're a little bit like somebody standing on the side of a um, of that jump rope game where kids swing the rope and they're trying to discern their rhythm to step into jump. And it just never seems like the right moment and then they miss it and the game is over. Mature pines are those who understand this is my field of greatness. This is my time to shine. I actually know what's going on here. I can see it clearly. I have a, a profound sense of direction here. I need to step up. And then they do step up. And it's so beautiful the way they do it because it's never arrogant. It's never disrespectful. It's never pushy. It's never in, a, in, an, in an attention-seeking way. I love it when a mature pine tree takes over the reins. Because by then they have listened to everybody, they've thought of every angle, and they come up with that profound solution where everybody just goes, of course. I'm, I'm sure somebody said it already and I, I must have just missed it because it is so clear that this is the answer. But no, nobody said it and nobody saw it. Just you, you beautiful, mature pine tree, you saw it because that is your gift. And that means for you to be mature, you need to practice your assertiveness skills. And that is the skill, well, a skill set of saying what you know is right in the right tone of voice to the right person at the right moment and then not to back down and not to make excuses for that contribution because you know that you know it has value. There's a little warning in the fast-forward list of the Pine Tree Report that says, it is great to have a backup for a task, but sometimes you have to perform on your own. And sometimes you can't avoid the responsibility. That's not always an option. Immature Pine Trees are those who sit and watch and make the assumption that somebody else will take care of the problem. I remember a funny moment many years ago when there was a snake in our house and um, we didn't notice, uh, we didn't even know that we had snakes 
in the area where we lived. It was a neighborhood with very little wild animals for an African city. And um, our daughter was maybe about two or three years old. And I was in the kitchen and my husband was somewhere else in the house. And suddenly we just heard this squeal from our daughter. And about 30 seconds later, I heard a word from my husband's mouth that I didn't often hear. And I knew, okay, this is real. And I, I guess I still had a spatula or something in my hand. And I stepped out of the kitchen into the hallway. And there it was, our daughter kind of plastered to the one side of the, the hallway. And on the skirting above the floor was the snake just stretched out against the, the other side of the wall. And I'll never forget my husband said, where's my dad when I need him? And there was just, oh no, I'm the man of the house right now. And I cannot call someone else to come and take care of the snake. This is me. I am up. <laughs> Nobody else is the number one choice for this. I'm going to have to do this. And that's the tendency um, to just call somebody else to come and step in here that every pine tree needs to overcome. The snake in the hallway is your snake. Pine tree, it is your snake. And the sooner we overcome that sense of somebody else is going to do it better. Um, I don't, don't have all the information. I haven't had enough time to think. When you can overcome those things in bold confidence, in acting faster and acting more decisively, and discovering that even if you made a mistake, even if people became angry because of that mistake, you can still continue after that. Oh man, that is the way to growth for you. Overcoming your fear of conflict is clearly a major maturity challenge. Maybe it helps you to think of conflict as the following. An opportunity for people to hear each other and to have their minds changed. An opportunity for somebody to learn more self-control. An opportunity to hear a perspective that you've never heard before. An opportunity to practice skills that you are going to need outside of that safe relationship where the conflict is happening now. It's an opportunity for two people to hear something in each other's hearts that they've never heard before in order to grow closer. If you think of conflict in that way, it becomes a growth opportunity that you should not dodge nor rescue somebody else from. People often have to get mad at you. They often have to become frustrated with you. They often need to be slowed down by you. They often need to be stretched into seeing the big perspective by you. And yes, they're not going to like it, but they need it. So please do not avoid conflict with people who are not like you, just for the sake of avoiding conflict. Only do that when the conflict has no value. And when you go and think about conflict situations, you will discover only a very few that are not worth it. And those are the conflicts where two people just want to hurt each other, where there is no intention on either side to learn or grow or reach consensus. 
when the conversation is about revenge, but that is not what 90% of your conflict avoidance is avoiding. You are avoiding growth. A lot of pine trees, when they're really young, look like roses. And often when the parents do a, a personality assessment on a young pine tree, the result comes up as rose. And then when you dig a little bit, it's because young pine trees are so stubborn. They say no a lot. And people think that is a rose bush characteristic. But there is a distinction there. And this applies to you as you are maturing as a pine tree. So hold on. There is a point here. Young pine trees say no, but it is a no that says, I won't and you can't make me. Where the young roses say, no, I won't do what you want me to do. I'm going to do something else and see if you can stop me. So it's a no to what you want and a yes to themselves. Where the pine tree is just saying, please don't make me sweat. Please don't pull up my long taproot that is so comfortably anchored into where I am right now. I don't want to move. So the rose's stubbornness is forward and the uh, pine tree stubbornness is kind of straight down into the floor. Now that stubbornness that makes you look like a rose in certain situations and that may surprise people who thought you were all meek and mild and suddenly they can't move you. That stubbornness is something to overcome if you are truly going to be mature. And how you keep your stubbornness in place is you just say no and refuse to talk about it. Or you just say no and withdraw. And that is a cop-out because until we can verbalize and are willing to engage in a conversation about why we do not want to move, we are not, immature, we are not mature. A mature pine tree who is immovable is able to verbally and clearly articulate why they are not prepared to move. And they do not need to slam a door or go into a quiet oyster position where the shell is shut and there is no way in. So there's a challenge for you. The next time you want to say a firm no and you don't want to explain, say your firm no and say, I'm working on my explanation. And then go into your cave, get your explanation down on paper, or figure out the wording, and then get back to the person that you have said no to with a coherent, clear, and it doesn't have to be very long, but a coherent, clear, rational reason for saying no. Oh boy, palm trees, you thought we forgot about you, but we didn't. Palm trees are the ones with the most resistance to growing up because it's fun to be a child, isn't it? It's fun to live on the light side of life and to look on the bright side. And a lot of you palm trees associate maturity with growing old and stuck and gray and slow and very boring. But that is not what maturity is. Let me take you back to the original idea. Maturity is growing in unity and the ability to get along with others who are not like you, the ability to breach the gaps and to overcome everything that stands in the way of you producing the kind of fruits that, that are in line with your design. 
So this is good news for you because you are supposed to make some kind of coconut or some kind of date or some kind of beautiful palm fruit that is full of oil and richness and fragrance and flavor and that brings everything to the world that you thought is not a part of maturity. Think of the land of uh, promise. Think of milk and honey. That's you. This richness that you're able to contribute. But yes, as with everybody else, there are things standing in the way of you being able to make this mature, beautiful, life-giving contribution to those around you. Are you ready? Pretty much every maturity challenge on the list for you as a palm tree has something to do with the distance between your words and your actions. It's you making promises quickly and easily, being such a yes person, and then not always planning and remembering and being faithful and persistent enough to make good on those promises. And you get away with it a lot of the time. People go, oh, she means well, or um, his heart is in the right place. He just, um, you know, he just forgets a little bit. I remember there was um, a lady who did my hair for a while. Um, She's a rosebush, straight talker. And one day she said to me, you're a leader now and you are held to a higher standard. Can I tell you about a character flaw you have? And I was brave and thought, this is going to be easy, can't be too bad. And I said, yes, go ahead. And she said, you don't keep your promises. You are not a person of your word. And I remember how that, whoa, that drew blood, that one. Because it is incredibly important to me, as I'm sure it is to any one of you listening who have some palm tree in you, it's incredibly important for you to be liked. But liked not on a superficial level, but genuinely liked. Liked for your character, liked for your personality, liked for what you can add to people. But man, somebody who doesn't keep their promises, somebody who says they will and then they don't, that's not attractive. That is not joy bringing in any way that would resonate with a palm tree, is it? And then when I thought about it, and she, of course, had some painful examples for me, um, and about 80% of, of those that she listed that day were things where I know 100% that I meant it, that I was ready to do it, that I was willing to do it, but that I didn't have a system in place to make sure that I did it. And from that day onwards, I changed some of my strategies. And this is what every palm tree and every person with ADHD, because this, this is some, something we share across the diagnosis and temperament line, is we forget details. And we need strategies to remember them. So a strategy could be, Instead of saying, hey, I will email you this, that, or the other thing, to say, hey, send me an email to remind me that I owe you this, that, or the other thing. So it puts the ball in the court of the person who has a head that's attached to their body, which is a really good idea. And when that email comes, know yourself well enough to know that if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it. Do it promptly. Do not procrastinate. Because that is a an immaturity characteristic of palm trees is I'll do the work later. 
I'll have fun now. I'll check my list later. I'll see what's in my schedule later. I, I don't want to do it now. I have some other things that are more fun right now. No. When those things come, those things you promised, execute on them as quickly as you can. When you're in a meeting and you're supposed to connect to people, ask permission to do it there and then so that you can be known as somebody whose words and actions line up. And then when you make mistakes, you have the gift to talk yourself out of it. You have the gift to come up with a brilliant story about what went wrong in the moment. And maybe you're a good actor, a lot of palm trees are, and you can sell your story even though it's absolutely confabulated. Own up. Say, I forgot. Say, I don't know where I left it. Say, oh, I never did it. Rather than, oh, the check is in the mail or any one of those other excuses. This ability to say, I did let you down, I did make a mistake, is hard for boxwoods for the reason that they hate mistakes. But it is harder for palm trees for the reason that they hate losing face, that they want you to be happy. And they don't want you to see that part of them when they let you down. So if that is you, palm tree, work on the ability to be brutally honest, even though that means your authentic self is not attained today. Authenticity is one of your gifts. Don't let it be stolen from you by this fear that people will see you in a poor light. Your gift is to teach others to let their true colors shine through. So don't disguise yours. Before you act, think about the possible consequences of your actions. That's one of your bullet points under fast forward, one of your maturity challenges. Now, this is really difficult because it doesn't come naturally. This is something you need to think about. Has your latest bad decision hurt anybody? Were there consequences when you made your last big mistake. If you think about those consequences and maybe the price people around you paid long enough, you may be motivated to sit and decide, this is going to be my new way of making decisions. This is going to be the steps I put into place before I take an action that could have ramifications. One of the most important and helpful steps is to talk to a mentor. And this mentor should be somebody who loves your creativity, who celebrates that you are out of the box, who understands that you need to take risks every now and again and try something nobody else has ever done in order to just want to keep on living. It's essential. Those are your fertilizer components. And you need a mentor who understands that but also understands the ways in which you sometimes ignore what is in your blind spot. So this mentor should probably be a combination of palm tree and something else. A little bit of box, pine or rose in their mixture will help them see into the areas that you are blind to. Write down some of your plans because they sound fantastic in your head. But when you see them on paper, you may actually realize that there is a little aspect there that deserves more thinking and attention and also deserves communicating about to the people around you who just cannot handle the surprise as well as you can. 
In terms of relational maturity, I think the number one challenge for palm trees is faithfulness. For you, every person has such beauty, has such interesting characteristics and has such potential to be another friend that you can make a friend wherever you go. Not everybody has that gift. And that means a lot of your friends experience you as their best friend or as a significant percentage of their complete circle of friends. There are people who have only three or four. So you may be a 33% or a 25% of their support structure and their circle of trust. They feel violated when you're able to put them down like a book you've read once to go to the second-hand bookstore and come home with 10 more. Figuratively speaking, of course. Because this is how easily you can make friends. You can pick up friends as easily as you pick up a book at the bookstore. And they notice when the attention is suddenly divided between them and additional people in your core inner circle. And it hurts. And your generous heart that always has space for more and that doesn't count and doesn't do the math may find this hard to understand. So you look at them and think, that is petty. That is so jealous. That's really small-minded. But friendship is a precious entity and it's a precious commodity that you have the unique ability to multiply. They do not. That person who is used to engaging with you once a week or having your attention every weekend, or your spouse who expects to have your attention every day, if they're not palm trees, they miss you when you disengage. They miss you when you're off with somebody else. They notice the hole in their lives because you bring exceptional joy and you bring exceptional encouragement and motivation and positivity into their lives. So when you are not there and when you are not engaged, there is a massive hole in their lives. So even though you can fill that hole with others, they cannot fill the hole that you leave. Your, li your love for novelty and beauty and all things exciting set you up for not just being friends with too many people and neglecting friends, but actually being unfaithful. Potentially being unfaithful in a relationship as important as a marriage. Because when you've gotten used to somebody, they become part of your routine, they fade into the background and you look for whatever will get your heartbeat up again. This is really an area in which to grow and It always breaks my heart to see leaders, especially spiritual leaders, with a strong palm tree grounding. People that I thought were mature, to see them not mature enough in this area to stand up against the temptation of unfaithfulness. Please understand if you are a palm tree that this is your back door, the door that should be guarded at all times. Is this vulnerability to the new person, the exciting person, the person who affirms you, who compliments you, who makes you feel alive. 
and how that connects with your unique gift to open hearts, because that's what you can do. You have a key and you can put it in some of the most locked up hearts and turn that key and make somebody feel extremely special, extremely valuable and extremely liked and loved. Now, that is a recipe for a big problem. If you and that person are not both mature, solidly anchored in good values and very loyal to the most important people in your lives. As you learn to fight that temptation, you might as well just bundle in into that maturity exercise another challenge, and that is the challenge not to do things for popularity's sake, but to do them because they are right. That's often another difference between an immature palm tree. They're all about what it, what's in it for them and how it makes them look and what other people will think and how other people will see them, as opposed to what what is the true value that is in that action. And not just the value for them, but the value for others. And does it just feel right or look right, or is it really, in fact, at the core, good and right? Well, when we, as trees that are planted by hopefully living waters and that are supposed to be green in every season and that are supposed to be fruitful, just to remind you as evidence that we are loved and as representatives of what God wants to say to the world, if we are able to overcome these obstacles to maturity and we are able to grow up, we become an incredible gift to those around us. And so if you will allow me, I want to close today's episode with Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 from the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. May that be true for you. All grown up, fruitful, and a blessing to many. <laughs>